Hello and welcome to the Talking Guitar Podcast, brought to you by the North American Guitar, the home of the world's finest guitars. In this episode, we catch up with the brilliant Canadian luthier Dion about luthery during lockdown, the boutique guitar showcase, and the incoming guitars he's building for us. for joining our Talking Guitar podcast. Uh, I know that we've been trying to do this for some time now, but both you and myself have just, uh, we kept on colliding, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, summer gets that way for me anyways. So. Um, how have you been? It's, been? it's been a while since we saw each other last. Um, yeah. How, how's it been? I think the last time I saw you was at the NAMM show. Yeah, that's right. Things have been good. Uh, obviously, the world has taken a major change since then. And no NAMM show this year, but being a guitar builder, you know, I'm kind of just hunkered down in my shop doing my work and it feels okay. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say, um, that's kind of been, uh, speaking, speaking doing, a, doing a bunch of these now, that's sort of been the, the running theme is that whilst obviously COVID, and I want to touch on COVID, um, but whilst it's been, you know, absolutely hideous for the world, um, many of the guitar builders that we represent and friends that we you know work with um have it's been almost a quiet time to be able to get just get stuck into work and be able to not have to be looking at emails and have things distracted and just yeah come, come to work and super focus like laser focus um and getting ahead of schedules and stuff so um so how's that been for you yeah well i'm chronically behind schedule i'm sure you'll start to notice that with me I'm like a time optimist. I always think there's more time than there is. Um, and I've been taking a ton of time with my, with my one-year-old, you know, I, um, I don't want to miss that opportunity, so. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's so important. And uh, if you hear any two-year-olds screaming mummy in the background, then, uh, then you, you know that's my little boy. Um, okay, okay. <laughs> and it is so important, isn't it? I mean, we, we live in this world where, you know, it's, it's, for, for, for parents, you know, we, we take a lot on our shoulders and, and work really hard, but it's easy to forget just how, how important it is to, to stop and actually spend and, you know, take time because I'm, I feel like I'm blinking at the moment and I'm missing stuff. Oh, absolutely. And, and I've been trying not to lose sight of why I got into this work so long ago. I love the work, but um, it's always been really important for me to be autonomous and have time for life and as i've been as, as it began to get busier it's easy to lose sight of that because you're like well there's always gotta get going yeah. but i have to remember i started this because i wanted to have time so yeah exactly. i've been taking time with my kid lots oh, i love that man it's been a really busy time for you uh, over the last few years especially because i first met your work on one of um the the, the bgs tours with with, uh, with jamie when they came to oh yeah, in Alberta, yeah. Shop in um, in London, which was which was amazing, and that was when I think we first. Jamie was just screaming about your guitars. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, that was an amazing thing to see and to. Uh, but how how's that how's that been for you then since the BGS? Yeah, it's a good it's a good thing. I think that um, <clears throat> well, I was just texting with Roberta the other day. I feel like. They're really breathing, um, along with folks like you, like a, a new generation's life into the industry. Um, and I'm seeing 
the type of people who approached me for my work, um, it's, it's a much wider range of people these days. And, and I think that's no small part due to things like the BGS and the, and the energy you guys put into the world. So it's been great. Well, you know what, and, and it's, I'm, I'm a, I've always been a big fan of Jamie. I think uh, aside from being you know, a very talented guy, um, just, a, just a lovely human being and so passionate about the, this beloved instrument that we are all deeply in love with. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it does feel that even, even, you know, we've been, we've been sort of on top of the, on top of the hill, top of the mountain, screaming for, 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 for a long time now. Um, but what I find, what, what I find lovely seeing is that um, connection with the instrument um, and, and how things like the BGS tour um, and also, you know, and client base for us, how it's sort of, it's growing and growing and you, and you see younger audiences coming in and you see, you yeah. see the same players all the time, the same customers all the time. But also it is that, you know, all you've got to do is I remember in, I think the first one was 2000 and I think it was like 2017 was the first BGS uh, show in NAM or 2017, yeah. I can't remember now. And I remember Jason was exhibiting at it. It was 2017. Um, and it was, it was really quite small. It, it's incredible to see how that first BGS tour at the NAM show, people were, you know, what is this thing? You know, what, what, who are these guys? And what are these luthiers? You know, do, do you know what I mean? And then so now you look at it and it's like one of the most vibrant, you know, has the most amount of traffic walking through it every year and it's just amazing oh, yeah. to see how it's growing um so big big credit to um to jamie and his team it doesn't, it doesn't but they've done a they've done a wonderful job of keeping it intimate too even though it's gotten bigger i know a lot of people i talk to at nam um really find the boutique guitar showcase room that jamie and roberta have set up as like a as a reprieve from the rest of the of the world out there yeah and um so they've done a good job of, of letting it get bigger, but still feel intimate and, and high end. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and also you guys, sometimes you, you guys deserve a medal for, um, <laughs> for people coming and not quite understanding that the process of, of just not just grabbing a guitar and taking it. Oh, no, there's, there's a couple of times where I saw them just grabbing a guitar and you're like, oh, sorry, sir. Yeah. I just <laughs> talked you through that. How do you, how, so a question to you is, how do you prepare yourself for just not, the NAM show, but for, for all shows, um, you know, going into all shows. Well, I mean, there's always this, uh, you know, rush to build because you don't want to bring something old. I'm always excited about whatever the most recent build in my mind is. And it's often an opportunity to build something um, that I want to build with no input from, from anyone else. So that's always exciting. And I get really precious about that. And I can't seem to give up even when I'm like, uh, down to the wire i can't just say oh i'll take one from a dealer or something i, I want to bring my newest work so there's always that um but then i'm just excited i you know luthery most of the time i really like how quiet it is but there's something about seeing your work in the hands of so many people and seeing excitement and, and having people um repeat back to you the design philosophies and the ideas and the sound you've been after to you without you prodding them. Oh, yeah. You sort of know you've, you've, you've realized what you've been working towards. Yeah, well, that's so that's where you're working. Yeah, that, that's, that must be an amazing thing to, to, to hear. And, 
because um, that's—I can only imagine. Um, obviously, you're working, you know, on your own so so much of the time that you have this this. And this is the thing that I was talking to Stephen Strand the other day. You know, this this tone in your voice. And you think he was talking about voicing, and 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 he was saying you get it's like this kind of build up of emotion and crescendo, and you think you're getting, okay. and then suddenly you hit this thing. You're like, yep, there it is. I got it. And then you yeah. sat down and then, because I was, I was talking about that, that, you know, tone and how subjective tone mm -hmm. is, how do you portray that to a customer and how do you understand it from a customer, which is the challenge. Um, and when Stephen was describing how he, how he voices his, his instruments, it's like mixing a record or like being, um, you know, being a musician and putting a part down, you can overthink and overthink and, and your ears can get kind of muddied. Um, and so once you've, you've hit that point, it's, it's that, okay, I, I, I'm, there, I'm there now, I need to rest and I need to rest my ears and I need to go work on something else. Yeah. In a few days. Um, and is it, is it the same for you when you're, when you're voicing yours? Yeah, and I, um, because I live in a, in a, part of the world where there isn't a huge music scene. I don't have musicians stopping by the shop all the time. My guitars go at the door to their new homes and I don't get to sit with them while someone else plays them very often. And so even though I get extremely positive feedback, um, I think there's anybody who's sort of a creative person or working at something and, and pouring so much time into it starts to have some self-doubt. Oh. And so you're, you're voicing it and you're working away at it. And this is, I know that sound, it sort of goes from a ping to a pong, it's suddenly there. Um, but I still, when I stand at the door, I think like, God, did I, did I do something wrong? Have I messed something up? Like, I'm just, yeah, I just can't wait for it to land and, and, and have someone else say, yeah, you did it. You know, I, I'm, I'm always questioning myself. But I think that's important. Um, if you didn't, you just land at the first thing you created and think that was it, that was the best. But with the constant questioning, I think you push harder and further. I think it's important. It's, I, you know, again, so it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's great talking to so many luthiers uh, and hearing the same thing. I think it's easy to say, yeah, you know what, this is what I do and it's great and it goes out the door and I know it's gonna be great. I'm so confident in my work, but this is such an emotional attachment to what you're doing. And I think that it has to be there and that's, that's the, I think that's the thing that's the most charming and passionate about this part of the guitar industry is, is there is so much, I mean, I can't even imagine how, I mean, I'd be a wreck. I mean, I, 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 back, in, back when I was, I was again, talk about the other day, back when I used to do music and, you know, I, if you did a gig, you'd come off, you'd be like, oh man, I just think that was terrible. You know, I can't imagine what it'd be like working on something for six months solidly and every minutia detail being absolutely perfect. And then you just put it in a case and off it goes and kind of wait for then someone to come back and go, it's absolutely gorgeous. And you're like, oh, thank goodness, I can exhale. Um, yeah. It must be tough, man. That must be emotionally tough. It is a thing. And maybe some people struggle less or more. I don't know. But for me, it's certainly a thing that I've had to overcome um, because it was kind of paralyzing at times in my life. Um, but I think that's a big reason um, why this industry is, is blowing up right now, the, the boutique um, handmade guitar world, because there's that, um, I mean, what we're talking about is the personal connection that I have with this thing that I'm making. And, and then the player has that same sort of like 
not only relationship with me through the process, but also relationship with the instrument itself. Um, I find that once I have a customer, they tend to come back for more because you develop this rapport and yeah, it's, um, I think you have to have that nervousness um, because you're investing yourself. And that's what people are coming to us for is to invest ourselves in these things. They can buy a factory made something, which are great. There's many great factory made guitars. I'm not, not slamming them, but they come to us for a personal connection. So. Absolutely. And in, the, and in this, in this time, uh, you know, we're, we're living in at the moment, that is just so important, you know, just yeah. so important. We're in a, in a very strange period right now and, 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 and in a way, uh, you know, again, talking about this, you know, the, you know, COVID-19 and I've been checking with people and asking, you know, how have you handled it? How you know, has it been for you? Um, and whilst obviously there's this disconnect with, with you know, social distancing and, and not being able to go certain places, there's, there's, a, there's a strange connection. It's because it's global and- yeah people are now able to like you know having this conversation now like this it's like we're just sat across a table having a, a coffee yeah um, and so there's a there's a there's a there's a, there's a connection to it but yeah i, I and, and i and i i i personally and the, and the team at teenage feel truly humbled and blessed in in so many ways to be able to walk through whether it's a guitar for the showroom or whether it's a guitar for a customer that you know, watching that and watching the enthusiasm build as the guitar gets closer and closer from our side and from the customer's side. I mean, that's just awesome. It's incredible. Yeah. I really, um, I hadn't been working with dealers too much into the last maybe three or four years now. And um, I've enjoyed that new energy into that sort of excitement and that system. Not to mention it's an incredible amount of work to be in contact with somebody all of the time. Um, you know, I grew up in a farm family. And so you're the bookkeeper and the mechanic and the operator and the owner and the, you're everything. And it's the same in this world. And um, so it's nice when someone can take a little bit of that off, uh, which you guys yeah. do. Yeah, exactly. And that's our job, you know, it's so, which we, we pride ourselves on. And we're, and we're trying to do more things now, like, yeah, and, and you've been so amazing with, with uh, you know, the wonderful Annie, who is just my absolute lifeline. Um, yeah. And she's just so great. We talk every single day. I mean, again, feel very lucky to have, have the team that we've got. But trying to, rather than kind of break down that dealer, luthier, customer gap, you know what I mean? Like, it was very much, we're your dealer, you're the luthier, you're the customer. But, you know, it, it's sort of, we're, obviously, it's being ordered through, a dealership but it's it's a journey together and and, and opening up and, and doing more build threads and you know and, and you in particular you've been amazing with great photography um and you know being so um not not getting cross with us when we say can we get some more pictures you know no 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 but it, but it makes such a difference it really does make such a difference and it's and it's like an insight into you as a person um and and therefore an insight into your instruments yeah certainly it, it personalizes it i think yeah, yeah and I, I mentioned it earlier but i do like that energy that um you folks at, at the north american guitar are breathing in um you're not stuck in what a guitar has been um though vintage guitars and vintage inspired guitars are amazing but you you really provide a lot of freedom 
um, for us builders, you, you approach folks who, you know, you like the style or whatever, and then you let us, you let us do it. And um, from a builder, that's a really, really nice thing to have some freedom to just work and build. I'm pretty lucky to have that um, really with most of my clients these days. Um, I seem to have, have carved a little area where people recognize my style and recognize that I do things a little different sometimes and come to me and say, what do you want to build? And I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky that way. Yeah, and, and that is, again, again so, I, I think, so important. You know, again, Rory and uh, Dowling, we, we, we try at least once, you know, once or twice a year, if, if we can. I mean, I know how busy you guys are. Yeah. But, you know, to just do exactly that, just say, build us what you'd like. Yeah. And we, we, we just want to, we want to get, and, I, and it was, it's amazing. And of course we want to get as many custom orders as possible um, as to you to have that sort of thing where you can step away from, from having to go, you know, building something for somebody else, building something that's purely for you. And in fact, Leo Buendia, um, he did that, uh, you know, this year off the top of my head, I believe it was a COA, uh, it was either an OM or or or, or a um, or a modified dreadnought. I can't remember, but he was exhibiting it at um, at the NAM show, and he just said, "Oh yeah, do you remember? Yeah, and it was a yeah. gorgeous, I mean, it was gorgeous guitar. Yeah, beautiful instrument." Um, and uh, he said, "I just built this for me," and I was like, it's nice to do. "I was like, really?" He goes, "Yep, I just wanted to build myself a guitar." And yeah. You know, and you could see that everybody was sort of trying to get it or trying to, you know, buy it. And he was like, no, I'm just going to build this for me. This is, this is, I, I want to build this guitar. And I thought that is, that is so, obviously, you know, we want you to build the instrument so that we can represent you. But I can imagine as, a, as an artist, that's so important for why you're doing this. Creative freedom, inspiration, a way for you to, reconnect with maybe new materials that you've not used before, test a bit of R&D, all of those things, yeah. you know, all of those things. Yeah, well, you know, I was, I was just talking to my partner about this the other day. Um, if you would ask me five years ago um, if I would have any misgivings about suddenly being busy, I would say, no way, like, bring on the orders. I need, like, I, I just want to be, want to be busy, but, and, and of course, I, I very much appreciate where I'm at now, but, um, Early on, I got to build whatever I wanted. I tested, I did whatever I wanted to do. And that's what in part is responsible for the guitars I make now. And sometimes it feels a little paralyzing to know that the person is expecting or the dealer is expecting one of your guitars like they've seen before. And I'm always pushing, but you can't push in the same dramatic way. And uh, so I can see, I, could, I relate to that, that um, you're talking about with, with Leo, just I'm going to build a guitar and I'm going to do exactly what I want to do. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And then inevitably I'll come up to you and be like, are you sure you don't want to try and sell it through the North Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, just tell us a little, I just think it'd be nice to talk a little bit about your journey as a luthier and how you, I know it's sure. a bit of a stock question, but you know, how did you, how did you, how did you get into this industry? Yeah, pretty naively. Um, <clears throat> I was 23, I'm 38 now, so 15 years ago. I grew up in a really small, I mean, Canada's a sparsely populated country. 
Saskatchewan, the province I'm from, has a million people and it's, it's massive. And then the town I grew up in had 5,000 people. It's a rural place. The internet was new and it was dial up, it didn't really work. Um, but I've always been a tinkerer. And so I was taking apart an old guitar. My friends didn't really play yet, but just something to do. So I found out that it was not real wood, it was plywood. Did a Ask Jeeves search on the internet, which took forever binging and bopping and dialing up. And, and uh, David Freeman's school came up, Timeless Instruments, just uh, two hours away from where I lived. Um, I quit university. I'd been living in the mountains, snowboarding for a while. Um, so I went and I started building. Had no idea this world existed. Had no idea you could make a living at it. Wasn't even my intention at that point. I just, you know, builders always talk about that. You catch the bug. I built that first guitar and before I was done, I was already thinking about the next one. And that just never, never ended. But I needed to, I needed to um, be exposed to more builders. I need to increase my skills at that point. And so I ended up moving to Montreal, bumped into the guys that were just starting Mylan Guitar Shop um, at a party. And I moved in with them. And, and of course, they started with Sergey DeYoung. Um, that's Michael Kennedy and, and Jeremy Clark, amazing builders. And they opened their books. Um, and, you know, things really took off from there. Wow, that is, uh, is incredible. And, and it, I, again, I hear that all the time. It's literally like it, you, you do just get bitten by the bug, right? And, it, and it's, oh. and that's it. It's just every, every single time when you're doing something, you're thinking, I know, I can't wait to this one almost. It's almost like I did it well on this, this occasion, but I can't wait until I do it again because I know I'm going to get it better. Yeah, well, I, I keep these notes um, on each guitar. Of course, you know, the, the stats and, and deflections and frequencies and all of that stuff. Um, but also just like what I want to do better. Now, early on, that was pretty glaring stuff. Um, but now it's pretty minute, something that um, the player or, or probably most dealers would never see. It's just stuff I want to work on. But that never ends. It just, it, the minutia just gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And so to have something that when you hit your pillow at night and you have a quiet moment, for me, that's like this exciting moment where I can start thinking about the next build I'm working on. And to have that 15 years in, I mean, I think most people would love to have something like that in their lives. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I was, as, as you were saying that, I was thinking about Michael Bashkin, who's obviously, you know, an incredible human being, a dear friend. Oh, wonderful. And a phenomenal builder. Um, yeah. But, you know, he was saying that he's still <laughs> searching for the tone. Yeah. I, mean, I was talking, he was like, he delivered some outrageous guitars to us. And, you know, for us, it's like kid in the candy shop every single time one arrives. From, every, from any luthier, it's, you know, it's, it's like a kid in the candy shop. And you're holding this thing and you're just like, your appreciation for the, the hours and the, the, the years of skill that you acquired to, to build it. But then when talking to the luthier, you go, you play it and you're like, oh, this is just amazing. It does everything I thought it would do. And he goes, yeah, it just didn't quite, I, was just, I just knew I could just get a little bit better. <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, the goalpost moves, it's not a static thing. You know, it's just, you, you see it, you think you've arrived, but it's, it's just always, it's elusive. It's always a little further away. And that's, that's wonderful. It's a lifelong pursuit. And I mean, it's interesting to hear from someone like Michael Bashkin. We, we exchange messages once in a while. 
one of the most humble guys considering the level of instruments he's building and the um, place he has in our community. Um, but to imagine that he's still there is encouraging to me to know that this is just going to keep going. I'm going to keep wondering and working towards that. Yeah, and, and he, I, I, I've spoken about this before, but there was this one particular instrument which was a Maple OM, and it didn't sound, yeah. feel, just didn't feel, it just didn't have that typical Maple tone, and I was talking about that, and he, he was just like, I was just, I just, he wants to drive the wood to, to get this tone in his head, and he's like, and I was like, this is perfect. You know, he said, no, it's not, not quite there yet. I know I could, I, I've got it in my head. I've got the next maple guitar that I'm going to go for. Yeah, yeah. Um, which kind of brings me nice, nicely onto, because maple really was your, like your signature thing, wasn't it? I mean, I, I first met on your instruments, it was a maple <laughs> instrument. Um, but we've got, which we're going to talk about in, in a second, we've got a couple of really beautiful guitars being built. Um, is it is is maple your is it is it your preferred tone wood or, or are you unbiased? Um, I I fixate, you know, whatever I'm into, I'm just like so into it for a while, and so as I, as I mentioned, um, I'm given a lot of freedom by my clients, so I, I for a while was suggesting maple. I want it started because I like the deck and I wanted to build these really white guitars, the tuxedo thing I was doing for a while, and then the mahogany fingerboard things. Um, and in that, I learned to love the sound of maple. Um, there's a real immediacy to, to it. It's, um, it also has a quicker decay, but it is quick. You can, you can hit the string and, and you're making sound right away, whether the touch is light or heavy. And so, I wouldn't say it's my favorite tone wood. I'd say it's a really excellent tone wood um, among many of my favorites. Yeah. Very diplomatic for, for the for for all of those lovely tones. You didn't hurt their feelings there. That was a very diplomatic. <laughs> 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 so we, we, might, we might as well bring us on to the two instruments that we've got. So, um, sure. first and foremost, just talk to me about that head veneer that you sent some photos through the other day, that, the pattern of that, what, what is going on there? Oh, yeah. That's yeah, so that's outrageous. the fingerboard and head veneer are both made from the same piece of wood. I had a very small chunk of wood. I mean, it was only four inches long. Um, it's ironwood. I don't even know where it came from. I used the flat sawn section for a headstock veneer years ago for a client's guitar. And I like to dig through my boxes and I saw this and I wanted to do something interesting for my uh, first couple commissions for you folks. And I've been thinking, I've been playing with this idea of, of doing an end grain fingerboard for a long time. Um, I've done some rosettes with end grain and, and it has just this interesting texture and pattern. So I started chopping that up and both the headstock and the headstock veneer and the fingerboard are made from that small chunk of wood. There's probably 60 pieces in there. And then I sort of book matched them all to get that pattern. Oh yeah. Um, it was, it took me like three weeks probably of messing around to get the just right. I mean, I was working on little things in between, but so many glue ups and, um, and so that's what that is. That's it's ironwood and grain, sort of a mosaic, but book match patterns. Oh, so um, and extends because of the captured nut, it extends so nicely right into the headstock. It's all like a continuous piece almost. Yeah. It, 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 and when I first saw it, I was like, I, 
like, what is that? I've never seen that before. It looks incredible because it's a very organic feel. Your, your instruments have a very organic feel, don't they? It's, it's yeah. You're really utilizing the beauty of the wood. That, am I right in thinking that that's your, that's kind of your, yeah. your thing almost? I like to pair it back, yeah. And yeah. just let, let the wood do what the wood does, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 lo I love that. And, and we're using, and we've got Coca Bolo for the back and sides, which again is a, a big favorite of mine. Um, have you built many Coca Bolo instruments that you, you know, when we were talking about, when we were going back and forth, we, we wanted to do something slightly different. So, you know, what, what are the attributes that you like about Coca Bolo? Well, I mean, first and foremost, it's just gorgeous. You know, I think that you can build a really good instrument with most varieties of wood, uh, assuming you know how to test, quantify, and then manipulate that particular piece of wood. You know, I've seen spruce, for example, that is just complete garbage that looks beautiful, and I've seen stuff that looks not so great that's, that's wonderful. So I think you can build with whatever. Um, but the coca bolo and, and other sort of denser woods, um, I don't have a very scientific mind, so I think about things visually. Um, a heavier, denser wood like the Coca-Bolo or Lapacho I build with a lot gives you, um, it's lethargic, which sounds like not a tone quality you would want, but we spoke of maple's immediacy. It's lightweight. And so when you excite the bridge, and my guitars are extremely active and the back's very active part of, of the sound producing. So when you excite the bridge with the string energy, you get that puff of air. And with a lightweight wood, it immediately responds and fires it back. Um, so you get that quickness. With something heavier like Coca Bolo, it takes a little more energy to get it into into momentum, into motion, but it stays in motion longer. So you get like a a wobble, a roundness. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, and that's where that sort of warmth we talked about comes from. It's just a slower moving piece of wood, um, and I, and I like that about it. It's not for my personal playing. I like something quick and immediate. Um, but I do like the, the overtone you get from, from Coco Bolo. Oh man, I, I love that. I, I don't, you know, we, we, when describing tone, it's so difficult and it's so subjective that yeah. you know, we use these, these kind of, these adjectives. I've never heard it's lethargic. That's, 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 it, you kind of, you're right. There is, it, there isn't that kind of immediate snap that you get from something like Maple. It's just, there's a slight, uh, I guess latency almost that it, yeah. you're hitting you, um, but yet still when it kind of sh shines through, there's there's there is that that sort of shimmer that everybody always refers to when they're when they're talking about any anything from you know, whether it be a Coca Bolo or an Indian or whatever. Um, and, and yeah, so so anything that slows down allows a little nuance. You know, it, there's a little nuance that can happen because it's not happening so quickly. Yeah, but you're you're. I mean, I found it with the, with the maple. It's, we've got the showroom that there is an incredible amount of sustain with your guitars. Mm -hmm. One of the first things, which again, I think I'm no, I'm no luthier, but just from playing instruments on a maple maple guitar, that can be quite challenging to 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 create those long, lushful sort of sustains. It, from, it, would you would you say that's true? I think so, though I don't build in a traditional style. Like my backs aren't ladder braced or, or anything. They're um, like a composite. Um, I don't like the word lamination because it's been um, sort of destroyed by the idea that laminations are cheap, but it's, 
it's multi-piece. It's got um, four pieces of wood and a Nomex core. It's a hollow core back. Maple being the largest piece of, of the sandwich. Um, but the, all that to say that the species of wood still speaks through in the tone, but I have more control over each piece of wood because it's so evenly braced. Essentially the lamination I'm putting in is a lightweight skeletal structure, much like you might do with your ladder braces um, or whatever bracing pattern you use for your back. But it allows me to, con to, to create a back that is evenly stiff in all directions um, and just moves air more efficiently. And so you get, it stays in, in motion a long time and you get good sustain. So, so and, and how did you, it's, it's three pieces. I didn't know that it was, it was three. So what, what are they made of? You've got, you obviously you've got the, 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 the tone with you initially on the back, but what are the in between the two? Yeah, and, and that's actually how I, how I control for the client's desire for tone because I mean, I think that, and I haven't tried this out yet, but I think that I could make you a Coca-Cola sounding guitar out of maple, you know, because I can just reverse the layers. I could put the maple on the outside and I could use some Coca-Cola inside or, um, or something heavy. And so you've got your outside skin and that's the long grain piece. And you've got a cross grain lamination inside uh, that's very thin, like between 0.2 and 0.5, depending. I'm deflection testing and testing all of these layers. Then there's your Nomex, which is a, like a honeycomb sort of paper product that um, like an I-beam creates the space between the plates, which is where you get your strength from and not the actual material itself. Then there's another cross grain lamination. And then an inside, generally speaking, Western red cedar, long grain layer. Um, and I changed the grain orientation, the thickness, the materials to get the weight I want and the deflection I want out of the piece. So I can, again, the, the outer piece is still dominant. And so it creates a heavier or lighter back, which changes between quick and lethargic and anywhere in between, like we've talked about, but I can control it very precisely. Yeah. That's amazing. So it, it's, kind of, it's in a way it's similar to, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of blown my mind. Um, but it's similar to the way in which someone like um, Rosie um, would use tantalons then. She's using, mm -hmm. using the attributes of, um, you know, whether it's Paduk uh, to influence the, the back end sides of her, of her instruments. Yeah, because, um, sorry, say the last part again? Sorry, but just, but just in a different way. You know, you're, you're yeah. Well, I just think of, I, I'm not, um, I love wood and I'm really, real romantic in general in life and, and around wood, but there's a lot of mystery um, and, and mystique around wood and different species. But when it comes right down to it, they're just materials that you can quantify their, their capacity or their, or their material properties and work with that. So all I'm doing is <clears throat> quantifying the material properties of my showpiece and then finding, um, um, cooperative pieces to go inside they're gonna are going to help me reach my end goal yeah so similar yeah and 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 you, you, you i love what you just said a second ago about how you can essentially if a customer comes to you with um preconception of what he wants from a set of from a set of you know, tone with some customers are very driven by you know i know i like this I've listened to lots of guitars made from these 
Tonewood, that's the tone I want. But I like when you said, well, you can essentially take through your build process and, and your and your and your sort of your style, um, you can have a set of Tonewood um, speak in a different voice. If that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. Which, which I guess is what we do when we're, when we're voicing, say, a soundboard or, or a back when we're carving braces. I'm doing the same thing, but rather than removing material um, once it's all braced up, I'm just very caref carefully putting it together. Um, and that's when sort of the carving is taking place, so to speak. You know, I'm adding mass or removing mass, essentially, yeah. That's amazing. And, and when you... Um... Have there been many moments when you've delivered a guitar to a customer and there's that sort of like heart in the mouth nervousness of uh, they wanted this and you've gone, I can do that for you, but you should do this. And, you, and you've um, you know, delivered the guitar and they've just listened to it and been you know, totally blown away and, and surprised. Have there, have there been moments like that? Oh, definitely. And, and especially at, at shows because people will actually walk by a maple guitar and uh, I sometimes have to convince them to play it, or I'm fortunate to have other builders who are saying, you should go try Dion's maple guitar. Yeah, um, yeah people are surprised. It's sort of like a, a drop, like, well, I thought maple sounded like this, or I thought this wood sounded like that. Um, all that to say, like, so I'm building very modern guitars, and, and, I'm, and they're very, um, from the outside, they look like a guitar, and the inside, there's all sorts of stuff I'm doing. Um, because I think to make it in this industry, you have to find your own voice. And that's how I've found my own voice. Though I am, it's been so long since I've built a quote unquote traditional instrument that in my next, I build in batches of four and in the next batch, I've got a, a Rosewood Italian, uh, Indian Rosewood Italian spruce commission for, for a guy in the States. And I've decided to alongside build a quote unquote traditional guitar out of the same exact woods just to see because it's been so long now i don't remember what they sounded like out of my hands and so that'll be fun to see i love i mean there aren't many people in this world that can be like yeah i just decided i was gonna you know build a traditional guitar as well you know just sneak it in there <laughs> yeah, just, 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 just sneak it in there um and that again, kind of bring, brings on to the the how do you i i, I know you're very close with tom uh, mm -hmm. and and um, we had a, we had a conversation the other day uh, about how you as the luthier I guess it's deciphering the, the, what the customer wants in their in their mind like do you have a process because we use like you we use you know, we use these adjectives like I said a second ago I want something warm I want something bright I want something fluffy I want something you know all of these things and you're kind of I can only imagine you're you sat there going, yeah, okay. Is there, so, is there a, a sort of a checklist or a way that you try to mitigate that so that you, you, you can get as close to it as possible? Well, I guess that goes back to what you were saying earlier. We don't have a, um, um, an agreed upon set of terms on how to speak about tone. So if someone asks me for a fluffy guitar, um, does their fluffy mean the same thing as my fluffy? That's a hard thing to suss out, but um, I spend a lot of time talking with, with, with my clients. And so I, I, get, I start to get to know them on a, in a personal way. And that helps me to de decipher what they are actually after, you know, um, ask them what kind of music they're playing and 
uh, maybe if they can send me a recording of the music they they make or some guitars they like but again same with my aesthetic i've become very fortunate in that most of my clients are coming to me after playing one of my guitars somewhere or hearing a demo online and saying this sounds like a guitar i haven't played before and haven't heard before and so i want one and so there is less preconceived notions about what it's going to sound like uh, based on sort of the history of the guitar it's more like i want one of your guitars and that's pretty freeing so um they still talk about what they want um but it doesn't feel as stressful as it could be if i was trying to build a replica of a 1930s martin or something for them you know yeah yeah um, and, and again, that, that's, that's sort of something that we take great pride in um, as, a, as a dealership and representing all of the looters we represent is trying to create not just great content, but trying to give the instrument a, a voice in, in other different genres or getting a multiple of different players to play an instrument to showcase it in, with a different touch, with a different feel. Um, yeah, and that you know something we've worked really hard on over the last you know few years to 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 get a, get as good as possible. It's so easy for us just to go, okay, let's just do one video on this thing, and, just, you know, and, and it will find its home. And they, and they beautiful, beautifully, they do, they beautifully do find homes. Um, some get home quickly, and some take a little longer. But they always mm -hmm. absolutely. But what we try to do is every opportunity that we have is to showcase it with a different player because that suddenly the guitar can just come alive in a different way in, in different hands and find that yeah. find that home so do, you know do you find that must be a, that must be a lovely way for you to not only to showcase your instruments but be able to guide customers as well that come direct to you um and say, oh, you know, I heard this video, or I heard this, and you say, well, if you maybe you do want to go down the Coca Cola route, check out this guitar over here. Yeah, I mean, that's um, you, you brought up Tom, and I'm always impressed with um, the effort he's put into and Daisy um, into getting and creating their own content. That's a remarkable feat, and and a whole another set of skills to learn. Um, and then to segue into what I appreciate about a relationship with the dealer, because Obviously, why would um, why would a builder want to give a percentage? Or you know, I mean, not it's giving. You you earn the percentage of no. that, that y'all take. Um, if it was just that, like you sold guitars, because um, I'm starting to get busy enough where I could probably start to eke out just selling through through straight clients and and not through dealers. But the content you produce, the quality of content you produce. The diversity of content, as you mentioned, with different players playing different instruments um, is an amazing um, piece of my marketing um, uh, sort of portfolio. Um, and because y'all do that, then even if I were to suddenly become the hottest builder on the planet, I would still want to honor you with builds because you've done this great job, you know? And so I, I do see it as a relationship that's not just monetary or not just business. Oh yeah, um, and, and, and you know that's that's from, from right from the very inception of Tino. That was that was the number one goal. It's always been that to be a voice. Yeah, um, and I think that it's you know Paul and Paul does it like I mean he's like 
the godfather is amazing well, he's still experienced yeah he's great he's just incredible and and, I, and, and he, again likewise you know, robbing a guitar gallery everybody has their own mm-hmm. pocket, you know that they how they do it and that for you guys is is great that you can go well check out lance playing this one here or check out paul playing this or you know and, and uh, you know i think that 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 becomes a that is a very important tool for for, for, for you guys and oh, yeah. uh, and also it, so great for for the dealer because you get to really understand the instruments on a, a deeper level because you're able to you know have have more than just one coming through or, or it's just a custom orders like i would i always have always made a point of trying to ha- never have guitars in in seclusion on their own um just because it's very easy for them to stand on their own. You know, it's, it, I think that we are partners in this. So it's trying to, let's, let's go in on this together. Yeah. And we'll put in our, we'll work our butt off and put in our time and our effort. And, you know, all of the stuff that a lot of people don't realize goes on behind the scenes, you know, it's, and, 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 and the expense that goes with that, but it's about long-term relationships, isn't it? You know? Um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and it's, and it's, for us, it's like for example, these two instruments that are coming in. You know, we, the, the guys, the team. You know, what we have a better understanding of what you're in, what we know now, what, what a mahogany, a kookaburra, a maple. You know, we could, we converse together. So when a customer comes to us, um, we're well versed in what the tonal um, um, you know, capabilities are of the instrument made out of those those tone woods and what they can do and how they would sit and, and listening to the player in front of them or on a Skype call or whatever it may be. Well, actually, I think you should go for this or I think you thought about this. And so, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's an amazing partnership that it's just, I mean, so lucky. We feel, we feel very, very grateful to be a part of, uh, part of this community. It's amazing. It's a great community. And, and I think, you know, um, you know, I, I, I teach people on occasion. I have a, a sort of perpetual student that just kind of a, a guy who wants to build and, and he's become a friend and he comes in once a week or once every two weeks and builds. And both of my shop mates I taught. Um, and people ask, well, why would you teach someone that they're going to be your competition? And I don't see it that way. For one, they're 15 years behind me in learning and it's going to take a while till they're producing the exact same quality that I am, but although a remarkable quality. Uh, all those folks, but um, the, the industry itself, what we all struggle with is that there's just not enough people that know about handmade guitars. So I actually just see um, handmade guitars being played by you folks or being out in the world and other builders. The more of us there are, um, the more awareness there is of the idea of the handmade guitar. And so it's a nice community that way. I, I see the guitars hanging around your shop and I don't see those as Someone's going to buy one of those other ones and not mine. And someone's going to buy mine and not one of those other ones, you know, it's, um, but, but it's not a direct competition. It's like each of us boosting the industry is good for each of us and including the dealers. Yeah, totally. And that was really, really beautifully put. Um, and actually there, there was where at the first Holy Grail guitar show, um, gosh, I believe it was 2016. Michael Sport did a, he did a talk and, and, and in front of it was it was actually on he was a 
you know, saying what we all knew was that this part of the guitar industry is the one that aids, it's the most exciting and there's this you know, creative, incredible creativity coming through every, every year. And, and it's, the, it's the one part of the guitar industry that's really kind of growing. Yeah. Um, and there's this movement. Um, and from our side, when a customer who is a traditional, um, you know, let's just say, what, what well-known brand, you know, guy, it dips their toe into small workshop luthier-built instruments. That is it. That that is it. They 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 are gone. I mean, that, oh they, yeah. <laughs> they are, oh yeah. Something really special or really vintage that they've been looking for all their life. They are. They're they they're, they're not they're not coming back. And no. It's there is nothing more fulfilling. A dealers where a dealership when that happens and you can literally see it happen you can literally give them a guitar and you can watch it in front of your eyes and it's it's like and they kind of look at you to say i didn't i but didn't know that I could do that and you're like yep yeah um but what going back to what michael spall said at, at this um <coughs> at the holy grail the first holy grail was that it actually from the dealership side, it's not it's not competitive, and that it's it's we need to come together, and you know support each other, um, and because um, in turn that's what supports the work of the luthier, and that's what in turn supports you know getting more customers in, and, and it's just you and so you're all just in this thing together. Yeah. Um, one <laughs> one one guitar at a time, basically. Um, yeah. It's a fascinating industry. It doesn't really operate like a lot of industries do. You know, it's, um, yeah, because ultimately a hand builder can't produce enough to, to womp the competition anyways. They can't produce enough guitars. And if they did, they would no longer offer what they offer. So it's like, there's a built-in check that just keeps it, keeps it friendly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so so uh, we talked, we just touching on shows there. Um, I know that you uh, we, we talked about the, the NAM show earlier on um, and, and how you kind of prepare for them. How are you feeling? Uh, what, what is your take on shows, the importance of, of them? Yeah, yeah, I think about that a lot. Um, I know people can get um, overly excited about the idea of selling a guitar at a show and that being what the show is for. And I understand guitar builders, especially early on, can be living pretty hand to mouth and, and you might have spent all your money to get to the show and, and that, that sale would be really important, but it, it's not really about that. The chance that someone's gonna stop by and spend $10,000 or something on a guitar, it happens, but it's not that common. Um, they're obviously great places to meet dealers. Um, I wouldn't be working with you folks if I hadn't been at shows, I wouldn't be working with Paul uh, if I had minute shows or Robin, uh, if I had minute shows. Um, but more importantly for me, it's fun. I, um, I, I sort of couple shows with vacations so that we're, my family and I would go and we go to a, some nice place in the world and hang out for a little while. And it's a chance to get to know the community. You know, every builder you've mentioned today, um, except with the except of, exception of Rory, who I'd like to meet personally, We've met at shows and, and, and become friends and stayed friends and influenced one another's work. 
so I think shows are just such a part of the mechanics of the industry. I think they're, they're necessary and they're enjoyable to me. Yeah, we, so looking forward to when they, when we can um, eventually get back, get back to that place, you know. Yeah, me too, me too. It's, it's going to be, but again, you know, just from a, from a, from a human's perspective, um, the appreciation of the shows rather than just being, oh, it's just another show. You know, there's going to be a whole other level a whole other level of appreciation for the attendees, oh, yeah. for the organizers, for the luthiers. Yeah. And I think that's important. And if there is one thing, there is one thing that I, I try, even when stuff is not going great, try to see the glasses half full and just try to sort of think there is a message or there's something in here that you can learn from. Um, you know, that's that, that appreciation of, of what we, take for granted that normality that we take for granted um pre-covid uh hopefully when we come out of it we'll appreciate those little things a lot lot more you know yeah i hope we don't just go crashing back into it because as much as as myself and and, and many other enjoyed the pre-covid world um i think we got distracted as well i, I myself and i know many others i've talked to have um because they have had to stay close to home have noticed things about their home and the world around them they forgot to look at for a long time and so i hope we can create a bit of a blended model when we go back so we can travel but also realize there's lots to see around us and lots to experience um yeah. within your own communities and and surroundings yeah absolutely dion it's been so great to properly catch up and uh, yeah we now need to do this much more often and not necessarily have to record it all but it's uh, yeah certainly <laughs> we can't wait to get um get those two stunning the other one we didn't, didn't actually touch on on the second guitar but we that my ryan thing that's our mahogany um, yeah actually it is it's the plum figure mahogany and actually the ironwood fingerboard we talked about is going with that okay uh, okay great yeah the Coca Bolo's got a, a, a Ibano fingerboard, yeah. That's right, that's right. Um, I mean, I, I love the fact that you're being so patient with us and getting uh, getting all these all, all build updates. But we just we're just obsessed at the moment with with trying to get as much um, content out on build because mm -hmm. I think it's so important to see see this to see that stage every single step of the way. Um, and we're doing a really cool thing now where we're creating private build threads for customers as well. Okay. Okay. So uh, that's really cool. Yeah. So, so it, it's, it's, it's something we just started doing really early on this year, but it just means that again, you're all on the journey together, you know, you're on the journey. Yeah. Together. And again, like, so obviously you can tell by my photographs, even though they're just shot on my iPhone that like, I take, I take um, the ser them seriously. I, I love, aesthetics you know I, I love nice light and shapes and so I waited for the, a sunny day and and I always keep this one bench clean so I can pop things in the sun and get a shot right. um, but it's a lot of work and so um, then to, to compile those and get them off to the client is a lot of work so again that's exciting that you're doing that because um, it's another sort of um, sort of service or part of the relationship you, you folks can offer it's great yeah, and also, you know, at the end of the day, 
your job is to fill guitars. Mm -hmm. and, and, and if there's anything that we can do to um, you know, help you not have to be sat in front of a computer for too long, that's, 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 that's our goal. You know? Well, I love it, yeah. Um, but listen, have, uh, have an amazing rest of day. And Thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely be checking, checking back in again. We'll hopefully put this together um, and we're going to do a feature on you and the new instruments. Uh, Great. On the newsletter. Um, and yeah, just thanks for being a part of the Team 19. We really appreciate working with you. Thanks for having me and I'll uh, get some more photos soon. All right, mate. Take care and send my love to your family. I will. See you, Ben. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talking Guitar. For more information on the world's finest guitars, please visit our website at thenorthamericanguitar.com.